Hey, listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. We had sort of almost intentionally found ourselves in a place where we're doing a series of episodes around preschool. What a cool thing. If you're a preschool leader or volunteer, make sure you look for all the recent episodes that we have done where we have talked about preschool ministry specifically. You can go back through the archives of our podcast. At, if you go to lifeway.com slash kids, that's the one place you can go to find everything we have, lifeway.com slash kids. It's the home of the podcast where you can click on that podcast uh, tab at the top and find all of the back episodes and you can search by keyword to find them looking for that preschool word. Uh, and you can also find our blog, some free training resources and all kinds of information about our curriculum resources, short-term Bible studies and vacation Bible school. All of this and more at lifeway.com slash kids. There you go. I got that little commercial out of the way. Listeners, we're so glad to have you here today as we do continue to talk about preschool. I have two more wonderful friends who are with me today. Rachel Coe is a content editor on our Explore the Bible Kids team, and Clis Stortz is a content editor on our VBS team. Both of them are preschool experts and are wonderful people. And so I'm so glad to have you both on the podcast. Clista and Rachel, welcome. Uh, hello. Hey, I'm so excited to be here, but I feel quite inadequate to receive that title of expert. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> because it's, I don't know if I can that hat, you know. <laughs> here, so here's let me, Rachel, let me try to give you a little bit of my my own Chuck style etymology on that word expert. Okay. So <laughs> the word expert is derived from experience, right? So you cannot have expertise without having experience. You can have knowledge, you can even have wisdom, but the only way to get expertise is through experience. And so be, if you are a person of experience, you, you are, who is actually, you know, you learn, you gain wisdom by doing. Sometimes we learn by making mistakes. This is why I, how I got where I am. You just, you fail forward, right? And so for all of us out there, it doesn't mean we're perfect. None of us. We just need to continue to try and continue to press forward. But the two of you um, are both experienced in this area. And with that, you are both very wise. And so in my book, you are both experts and I am a novice in this area, although I absolutely love preschool. So of all the different levels of ministry where I've served, students, middle school, kids in preschool, I just love the preschool space. There's something wonderful about ministering to those little, little, little ones with the simple messages, the simple songs, learning through play. And so as we continue to talk about preschool, we're going to talk today with the two of you, with the expertise that we're going to draw upon, we're going to ask you guys just to share some of your personal top tips that you can pass along to our listeners and they can be, we'll be, all of us listeners, including me, are going to be like scribbling down ideas from the wisdom of Clista and Rachel today. So thank you both for being here to share that. Now, before we dive in though, sometimes Rachel, I like to talk with, about uh, uh, you know some personal things so we can just get to know you a little bit. So here's my question for the day. This actually came up in our house this morning as everyone was getting ready to head out the door. And so here's the question for each of you. You can decide who goes first. Here's the question. When you put on your shoes in the morning, are you sock, sock, shoe, shoe? 
or a sock shoe sock shoe? And why do you do it the way you do it? Clista, let's let you go first. How do you put on your shoes, assuming that you're wearing socks and shoes? Don't just say flip-flops, they're on. I was so- say, yeah, I'm a flip-flop <laughs> barefoot kind of girl. But um, If you have to put on socks and shoes, what's your technique? I'm pretty sure I'm sitting here thinking about it. It's just something I don't, I don't really think about when I'm doing it. Um, and so I'm pretty sure I put on sock, sock. And then shoe, shoe. Um, Yeah, I think that's what I do. That's what I do. I'm a sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Like complete this project, then complete this. I don't know. Because right, that takes like similar types of work and groups them together, right? Because putting on shoes and tying them and everything is a whole different type of task than slipping on sock, slipping on sock. Rachel, how about you? (laughs) Sock, sock, shoe, shoe or sock, shoe, sock, shoe? You know, I'm really having to think about this because it's been <laughs> several months since I put on socks, right? I have to wear them to bed if I got cold. But um, probably I'm kind of thinking that I go sock, shoe, sock, shoe. Really? I'm not sure if I do. I promise I'm not sure. I feel like we need to do a poll for the listeners. I didn't realize there were so many approaches. One reason I do it that way, I think, is because I have two puppies and I know once that sock is available, it's a play toy, it's a play toy and gone. So it's like quickly put them both on and then go for the shoe. All right. So let me ask this. Does it make a difference if you're Rachel, you mentioned that you have uh, some grandchildren who are often at your home when you're helping them get dressed? Do you go sock, sock, shoe, shoe or sock, shoe, sock, shoe on the grandkids, on the littles? Oh, Oh, sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Okay, so it makes a difference. Well, it does because they might get away from me quicker than I can. <laughs> the little one. So it's it's quite the challenge to get sock, two socks on. Then I've kind of achieved a goal right there, getting the socks on them. So that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, I learned this morning that my wife is a sock, shoe, sock, shoe person, and I never knew that. And it changes. I think it changes everything. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. If the next time I put on socks, I'm definitely going to remember this <laughs> Isn't that funny? Well, and I have, this is a whole different discussion. Maybe we'll do this another time, but I also, my boys don't care if their socks match. Like I want my socks to match, Absolutely. but, but like Tate, he he doesn't care if one's red and one's blue or one has an orange stripe and one has a green stripe. He there. I don't know. I don't get it. You know what I like about your, your, um, your question is it, it did immediately make me think of preschoolers. And I think that we do hope that teachers get to a point where you just do it well without even thinking about it. It just becomes such practice that this is what I do. And, oh, I didn't, I didn't even know I did that kind of thing. Well, and there is, there's absolutely a truth in all aspects of life and everything that we do work and everything that when you first start to do something, you're very aware that you don't know how to do it. Oh yeah. And right. You don't know what you don't know, they say. And then over the course of time, you become aware that you don't know how to do what you don't know how to do. So you don't know what you don't know. Then you realize you know what you don't know. Then you, as you learn things, you know what you know. And eventually you don't know what you know. And that's when you reach expert status. And that's where you two are as we talk about preschool. You're both gals who have learned more. You have forgotten more than most people have learned, right? And so you're- Sure. Oh, <laughs> Sure. So we want to tap into some of those things today that uh, over the course of your ministries and start by, why don't you tell us just a little bit, very briefly, 
How many years have you all been serving in preschool? And uh, and uh, are there any highlights that you can hit on us about your preschool ministry experience? Wow. Well, <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time. Um, I think I started when I was about three. Um, <laughs> no, no, really, really, really. I've been doing preschool ministry for 45 years. And so it's been a part of my whole life, practically, you know, it's just something I have done. And yes, I have learned a lot, you know, through trial and error and then, you know, just listening, but actually doing it, as you said, the experience Mm -hmm. of doing it is where I've learned the most. Clista, Clista, how about you? How many years have you been doing preschool? I I was sitting here thinking, I know that I definitely was doing it when I had my own kids because I wanted to get to know how to best teach my kids and how to be a, the best parent I could. And you really get so many skills right. from teaching preschool. It's like I would come home from Sunday school and would be talking to my kids about something. And my husband would go, how, how do you know how to do that? So <laughs> that's what, you know, we do in Sunday school. But so I would say, and then I actually taught I've probably taught really about 38 years, I guess. Mm. And um, kind of the same thing. I would agree totally with Rachel. You have in your mind what you want things to look like, what you think they should look like. And even I've gone and done conferences on guiding behavior and tips to make your classroom run, run smoothly. And so I'll get in a classroom on a Sunday morning with my kindergartners and something will happen. And I try what I've told people to do. And I'm like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> At least not this time. And so, yeah, I would want to put a shout out to all of you who are fairly new preschool teachers that you you're doing a good job. Just keep learning and keep adapting. I think that's the biggest thing in preschool is Mm -hmm. is you adapt. But I do think there are times that we maybe do try to make it that we in our minds it's more complicated oh I gotta do this no you you read your kids and you figure out and you I what something that happened just the other day and I read it and it was I didn't say this I did not make this up but it it I thought it was really wise it said a child who is seeking attention is not seeking attention they're seeking connection Mm. And I was like, oh, that's so true. They're seeking your, they want to connect with you. Mm -hmm. And if I've got a child that I'm dealing with, then that's, he's like, I got to figure out how to connect to this kid. Because if I don't connect with this baby, she's never going to pay attention or he's never going to learn or trust or, you know, so I went into something more than you asked me, but there you go. That's wonderful. No, so you mentioned that, you know, there and certainly there are many listeners who are listening who may be brand new in their roles or early in their ministries, but we have listeners across the board who span many years of experience, a few years of experience, or completely unexperienced. So knowing who we're who's listening, we're all anxious to hear some more of your tips and insights. I think the idea that we need to stay flexible, it's never perfect. And that importance, Quista, of relational connection. And maybe we can start there a little bit. Do you guys have a tip or a couple of quick tips on how we might make those connections with little ones? One of the first ones that comes to my mind is honestly, it starts at the door. Um I think greeting those little guys at the door and not, you know, just kind of breaks my heart when 
a child is basically just dropped off and the mom just goes and shoes them all in. And I don't even, you know, you're like, I need to, I just want to be there and say their name um, and welcome them in. So I think that connection really does start at the door. Um, It helps the child as much as it helps the parent, I think, for them to realize how important we believe what we're doing and, and how important their child is. I had a, a, parent come to my preschool community weekday kind of preschool one time didn't know I didn't know her and I um so she wanted to come by and just take a look at the the center before she signed her child up so they came in the door I I knelt down and said well hey Jake how are you doing and let you know I said told, told him my name we went about we went about and then so later she called she goes I do want to I do want to enroll him but I'm going to tell you why I want to enroll him. And I said, oh, yeah, I, I would love to know, you know, what what you think of the center. And she goes, the main reason I enrolled my child is that when I walked in the door, you barely looked at me. You knelt uh-huh. down and your first words were, hey, Jake. And so just that connection, I think. And that's, you know, that's it was one of those things I didn't even think about. I didn't realize I had done it. Because I kind of felt bad that I hadn't acknowledged her after she said that. But, you know, I think that it does begin at the door. I agree wholeheartedly with that, Plista. I've had I've had at times parents who didn't understand why I wanted them to wait until I could get to the door. You know, they they don't understand that. And I've tried, you know, I will send uh, emails early on or I'll make phone calls at the beginning of a church year or when we have a new child enrolled, just to explain the receiving part of the experience that that I want your child to feel special. And so I'm going to greet your child personally at the door every week, the same face, the same smile. And I'm going to call your child's name and help him know that he is welcome. And I'm like you, sometimes I think the parents probably think, boy, you are just, all you do is just look at that child. You don't even speak to me. But there are other times when you can do that. But I think ultimately the child is our first person of contact. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a great way to begin. And uh, and so sometimes you may have parents who don't understand that, but it's very important. That, and that reminds me of one thing that it is that requires us as teachers to do, and that's to be there before the children get. Oh, there. yes. That is a big thing with me. And be ready, right? Be present, but also be ready so that when they're arriving, your your crafts are ready. All the things you're going to need are already laid out so that you can focus your attention on the child when they come. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's hard. And going back to what we said earlier, it depends on your circumstances. If you're teaching in a second hour situation and you're following a group of people, it's hard to be that person and slip in there and then begin greeting whoever's going to arrive next. It's a little bit more difficult. But... Always, I have tried to get to the church early, early, early and have that room set up and be waiting. And uh, so the door will be closed and parents sometimes think, well, how come the door's not open to for me just to walk in or drop off my child? But it's intentional so that I have time to prepare, but also so that I can open the door to a, a, a wonderful experience for that child. So again, it, it all falls into play, focusing on the child. Right. What you want that child to experience. So I think that's a a great way to begin is personal attention at the door. Exactly. I love Mm -hmm. it. Let's talk a little bit about managing groups of preschoolers. So we know preschoolers don't tend to think 
groupthink, right? As kids get older and they become kind of indoctrinated in the ways of school, sit down, face forward and listen. Those things don't come as naturally to preschoolers. They're a little more like cats where they go their own directions and they're a little hard to herd sometimes. What are a couple of tips that you two might have for how we can, uh, how we can first of all, uh, what our expectations should be around how that classroom might look and feel, uh, and how to how to uh, best manage uh, that that time, especially when it's time to communicate the Bible lesson for the day. Right. Well, that's one. You know, when you said a group of preschoolers, I'm like, it's really hard to have a group of preschoolers. So we kind of have individual <laughs> little preschoolers around. Yes. And of course we do have what we call group time, but one of the easiest ways I think to manage a group of preschoolers is, is I, I don't just have one group. I might have, I'll have, you know, three to four different things for them to do that all come back to that Bible story. Mm-hmm. So that if by chance, when it is time for that official group time, we all gather together, those who might have a little bit of a difficult time really grasping or paying attention in group time to to my sitting down and telling the story. My prayer is that as they've done each of these activities, that somehow they've gotten a piece of that Bible story. So everything that you do inside that classroom teaches, but also you have that many activities, not because you would, it's not because you're going to teach all these different things. It's because this child's very active and he really likes to build and play and be busy. But I've got this one little girl who would much rather sit over here and color or take care of the baby doll and that kind of, so you have to teach preschoolers in the best way that they will participate and and grasp what you're teaching and then when you can bring them together you still you take it into an actual group time and you still try to find all those different ways that all those little kids learn so I Clist, I think that's that's a really wise insight to identify. I think, you know, as we as adults, we tend to like the way that we learn. And if if I am a person who learns through hearing words, we tend to teach that way. If I'm a person who learns by looking at pictures, I tend to teach that way. But in the preschool space, especially, we need to make sure that we're we're presenting to kids in the ways that they learn the best. Really good tip. And and spinning off of that, let me just say that I wholeheartedly agree with that approach because that's that's really the best way for preschoolers. Their attention span is so limited that you've got to be able to uh, engage them in the moment. And they're not all going to be in the moment at the very same time. And in order to have these these smaller uh, situations where a group of children, maybe two or three, are doing one activity and someone across the room is doing something different and you've got a child who is engaged with other types of things, you've got to have teachers to be able to be in those areas. It's it's really a disadvantage to be a, a, a single teacher. And I, there, we never want to have just one teacher. Right. But even having two teachers, if you've got a room full of 10 children, it's very, very, very difficult to be engaging them out to eye, face to face, bringing in that biblical connection through the fun things they're doing if you don't have a body there to do it. And I know so many of our churches have to get by with, you know, what they have. And it could be one or two teachers, but it is very hard. The younger the child, the more teachers you need. And so you need a a bigger space. But even in older groups, uh, a recent, the past couple of years I've done, um, 
I, I primarily teach younger preschoolers, but when I do during the worship time, the uh, extra hour, I typically will do something like fours or fives. And even then, just two teachers in a room full of 10 or 12 kindergartners <laughs> is crazy. <laughs> I always leave those situations exhausted, mentally, uh-huh. physically, emotionally, everything, because I have I feel like I have not I have not achieved that ideal goal that I had yeah. for teaching today. It's just so hard with just two teachers. So I've, I know our approach is best through a purposeful play play that has an intentionality about it. It's all directed to teaching a biblical truth or a a Bible story or something that the child can take home. However, we need people, grown-ups, tall people, I call us, who can communicate those to the children. So again, it just kind of works all together, but they're going to learn best in their in their preferred styles of learning. I, that's uh, we've got to address that as well. So that aspect of team is such an important thing to call out. Is if you're trying to lead a group by yourself, first of all, not best practices. You should always have at least two leaders always in a room. Uh, however, having a little bit of extra help can be really, really, really a big difference maker. Uh, and all of those helpers don't have to be master teachers, right? You just need help. And so one of my tips that I'll, I'll put out to you as a, as a question more so than a statement is, in my experience anyway, it's it's not best to try to manage the group while you are trying to communicate the Bible story. It's helpful to have other people who are on the team where they can help someone sit down or help someone not touch the other kid or rather than you trying to teach the Bible story and saying, Jimmy, Jimmy, stop, Uh, you know, Susie, come back, sit down. Uh, That disrupts the whole story. So it really is good to have those helpers, but also to assign them with different responsibilities. There, it's a question because I went up at the end. (laughs) Well, it makes me think about something that really is a struggle for me when we are enlisting additional people. Uh, and I know you've heard ministry leaders enlist this way. Well, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to teach anything. You just need to be a body in the room. Well, that is that is putting that te- that person in a, a, a terrible situation. It's not good for the children. I mean, we do want them to do something. And we, yes, they are. Yes, they don't have yes, to we do. be a master teacher or the person who coordinates and plans it and, and directs the flow of the, the session. But we but they're teaching just by being in the room. And they need to be engaged with the kids, right? They need to create those those connections that Krista was talking about earlier. Yeah, you know, and you know, you know, just an aside, a little thing about, you know, no, don't be coming in there with your cell phone and sitting there the whole time looking yep. at your cell phone and doing Facebook or whatever. You That's know, right. Be present. You know, be a part of the group. And I think we we have to we have to let people know that is the the need. Maybe uh not say it's the expectation, you know, if you're going to be in there, I expect you to do this, but really this is what would benefit the child most or help the teacher who is leading the class for you to engage children and converse with them, assist, uh, know what the Bible content is, talk about that, use something, be on the level of the children. Don't just sit in there to manage 
behavior. Right. Just to be a, a, a yeah. body in the room. Yeah. To be, be and the I also, with those, um, with those people who are coming in who might not feel equipped, and, you know, first of all, we, all of us come in that way. None of us is equipped. Even those who are straight out of school are not equipped for an actual, the actual classroom. But all in all, I usually tell a teacher, especially if it's been a little bit of a difficult day, um, is that even if I didn't absolutely understand the story or why we did what we did, another very important goal of preschool teachers, I think, is to help a child learn to love to go to church. I love to go to church. I have fun at church. People at church love me. And so if that is all they happen to get on the surface anyway for a Sunday, then I feel like that's an accomplishment because I always say we teach them that they're loved at church right now at this young age when they're older and they come up against problems at 18 and 20 year olds who are like, you know, I just, I, I don't know what to do. And then my prayer is hopefully in the back of their mind, they're going to go, you know what? People at church are are loving. I love to go to church. They love me. I want to go there and and get that feeling again. And then they Mm -hmm. learn to to love the church. And then they learn to love Christ because they love to go to church. One of those guys, one of the, the components that is way more common in preschool than in any other space is the use of music as part of learning. And now we say music, that may sound like a big fancy thing, but little sing-songy phrases. I remember when my wife was a preschool teacher years ago, I still remember the cleanup song, right? Clean up, clean up, everybody everywhere. Little things like that are so useful and helpful as tools in preschool. If I'm if I'm not currently using any sort of music, should I be? How And what is it about music that makes it such a good learning tool for preschoolers? I love using, I'm, I love music, first of all. So I think that's a one reason I love it. I don't like silence because you're never having silence in a preschool room anyway. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I learned the books of the Bible through a song. I learn. you know, you can learn the, the names of the disciples through a song. We teach them the Bible verse through a song, um, that rhythm and rhyme and melody, you know, it's just something that that's very catchy. I remember the, the VBS song from when I was a little girl at my grandmother's church and it was booster, booster, be a booster. (laughs) I won't go all, it's really kind of a funny song because it's don't be lazy like a rooster. And I always thought that was funny. (laughs) But um, anyway, I just think it's an easy way for us to pick up songs and and to pick up knowledge and stuff. And so, I mean, think about the things that you remember, the, all the little ad jingles that you've heard years and years ago, but you still remember them. So I think music can be a very important way. It kind of, it also calms our preschoolers. If you have some light background music, it just has a calming effect. Mm. So, Well, ladies, thank you both for being on the podcast today. Rachel Coe, Clista Stort, such great friends of ministry leaders everywhere. We are so blessed and thankful to have you on to share uh, your insights on working with preschool. Thank you both for being here today. Thank you for having us. 
Listeners, thank you for being here. Klista and Rachel, we want to have you back really, really soon. Like we're going to record another episode right now. Listeners, you look for that. Look for that soon from them because we're going to continue this conversation to talk next time a bit more about how to communicate biblical truth to preschoolers. We'll come back and we'll do that next time. Uh, but listeners, thank you for listening. Guys, we want to encourage you. We want to equip you and inspire you and be a place where you can come uh, to find helps that set you up uh, to uh, where we can partner with you to set you up for success uh, in your ministry. Thank you for where you're serving. Keep investing in kids. Keep investing in your team. And please keep listening to the podcast. Share it with your friends. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back again next time for another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.